Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. Hashtag Nutty November. <laughs> Hashtag Nutty November. We're on day seven. This is about the time in a month-long podcast series that I start thinking, what were we thinking? Yeah. Every day. I think it's fun, though. It's fun. It's just I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of days left. Yeah. Do we know this much about marriage? We do not. We're going to have to (laughs) probably start reading books. (laughs) I mean, I think think we're just going through very basic common sense stuff. I've even had um, some topics submitted. Oh. That's kind of an idea. That's interesting. I love that. Let me tell you, the topics submitted were... um, Killing time while I'm looking through my phone. Suggestion. Talk about what marriages with damaged history, pre-marriage or in marriage, family hurts, distrust, infidelity, how those can redeem, how God can redeem those hurts. And also, what does it look like to have accountability with your spouse? So there's a couple of topics that we'll probably try to cover. Good. Uh, So if you have topics you'd like to cover, give us a call. I mean, actually, don't call me. (laughs) Email Melissa. (laughs) If you want to call me, you can. It's fine. But uh, it's pretty easy to find my phone number. But anyway, uh, so we're, we're just going to keep on going. Uh, you know, uh, marriage, Melissa, is under attack in our culture. Yes. So, you know, in the past 40 or so years, 40-some-odd years, marriage has been redefined. Uh, as you look at uh, no-fault divorce coming into society even in the last few years, marriage defined no longer as between a man and a woman. So when we say marriage is under attack, I guess we're coming from a biblical point of view, saying Bible as it's uh, marriage as it's understood in the Bible it is um, has been, has been changed. And so the problem with changing what marriage is is that we once when marriage gets redefined. And you get further away from God's design for it, then it's really it's difficult um, when the culture, the prevailing worldview, um, says this is what marriage should do and this is what marriage uh, is. Uh, those who are trying to have have a biblical marriage uh, find it more difficult. Yeah. Did, did you agree? I do. I think that. I think that marriage in general has the value of marriage has has well marriage has been devalued in a lot of yeah. ways in our culture and it's considered a temporary situation if you want it to be it's considered a matter of your feelings at the moment mm-hmm. yeah and uh, I think that a lot of the sacred qualities and sanctity of that union have been thrown by the wayside by our society, but not by God's word. No, but so if the, if the outside of the if if the outside forces, if the culture and the other outside forces are are coming against your marriage, it's important for us to have a strong marriage. Yeah. And if the culture is fighting your marriage, then you don't need to be fighting within your marriage. Exactly. So this this episode is for the husbands and wives who are always fighting. It's for the ones who are always struggling against each other. Mm-hmm. If They're, that's your normal, you need a new normal. Yes. And so we're going to talk about why you need a new normal. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the problem, uh, 
that's created or the problems that are created in a marriage when it's when there's so much derision, contention, fighting, and strife. And, uh, you know, the Bible uh, says that it's better for a man uh, to live in the corner of the roof of his house than to live in a home with a contentious woman. Is that the way it phrases that? Is it say she's contentious? Something like that. I need to look up the verse. Yeah. Na- I think it actually says nagging. Hmm. Does it say nagging? I don't know. You know which verse I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Back in those days, um, the look that verse up. What did I do with my phone? Did you hide my phone? Oh, here it is. Uh, back in the day, in, in the, the the Bible days, people would go up on the roof of their house, and that's where they would kind of hang out. And uh, so it's, so it's better to live up there on the roof than to go down and. and be fighting all the time. Yeah. Uh, that that is, and, and I think the wisdom in that verse, what it's saying is that uh, there's nothing more unpleasant than not having harmony in your marriage. And I think we agree with that, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's been scientifically proven now. Studies are showing that living in that kind of marriage with constant strife and struggle is really detrimental to your health. It's harmful in more ways than just emotionally and spiritually. It can be physically harmful to you as well. It puts so much stress on you. And I think a lot of couples who have lived that way for a long time, they almost don't even know how not normal that is Mm. and that feeling of constant um, upset. Yeah. Like there just doesn't really always have to be an issue in your life. You know, some people, you just walk up to them and it's just something's always wrong. You don't have to live that way. You can live in a way where, like, nothing's wrong. Yeah. Like, things are cool. I mean, besides the fact that, you know, you're fighting against your temptation to sin all the time because you live in a body of flesh that's corrupted. But besides that, <laughs> you know, I mean, but truly we can have victory in this area and not just expect to go home and do get out with somebody who's yeah. going to be unhappy and unpleasant. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, a lot of times whenever – you are talking to people about marriage or you're, you're giving marital advice, people will say, well, this won't work because my spouse is not on board with this idea. But this is the beauty of stopping the fighting in your marriage. You can do that all by yourself. Yes, yeah, it takes two to tango. It takes two to fight. Yeah. So if you're determined, the Bible says, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Mm-hmm. That includes the person that you live with that's driving you crazy. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with your spouse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, y'all don't have to both be on board with this idea for you to bring some peace to your home. <laughs> but the the probability of the possibility, there is a possibility that someone might say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not at peace with the idea of quitting fighting. I want to keep going. I like it the way it is. Uh, it's the norm. It would be weird and awkward if we didn't relate to one another this way. So let's talk about why uh, or, or the, pro- the actual problems with a contentious and fighting relationship. Because maybe you're thinking, you know, this is how I get my way. This is how I've always taught. This is how we've always talked. And it's kind of something people just know about us. You know, they just know that we're fighters. You know, whatever your attitude towards it is, you might even take pride in the fact that you have a terrible marriage. So let's talk about reasons why... Uh, or problems with a contentious relationship. Okay. I'm having a hard time getting my words out number today. One, number one, so we've got we've got a list of some things. So the first thing is when you're constantly fighting with your husband or your wife, 
then you over time develop a distaste for each other. Yeah. That's bad, right? It's really bad. I mean, there are things I don't like to eat. What what is what's your least favorite food? Um, I really oh, black olives. Really? Yeah. On their own they're bad, I think. But mixed into things. I don't I don't like them that much. If I accidentally and I usually tell them to cut them when I order a burrito. Yeah. But when I've accidentally gotten them, I thought, eh, these aren't so bad. I think it goes back to a sleepover where I slept over at my cousin's house. And like at 2 o'clock in the morning, we started pulling stuff out of the refrigerator and making these concoctions that we each had to eat. Oh, boy. And she got you with there the black were olives. black olives in my concoction. Oh. And ever since then, yeah. Can, can handle, handle it. the black olives. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like most foods. But I don't like Brussels sprouts. What else do I not like? I don't uh, like cauliflower either. Yeah, it's kind of a weird food. Yeah. yeah. But there's some things I don't like. But there's some things that I really do like, and then I develop a distaste for it. You know, you that happened to you in Taco Bell, didn't it? You know, I did. I don't hate Taco Bell, but for about the first five to ten years of our marriage, you refused to eat there. Well, it's because I ate there so much in college, I got burned out. You developed on Taco a distaste Bell. for Taco yeah. Bell. You just didn't yeah. want to have it. Uh, so, yeah, you, you don't want to have a great spouse who you could have, you know, because Taco Bell's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to have, you know, something as awesome as a gordita crunch taco, enchil taco or whatever, that, you know, they make up food there. Uh, you don't want to have something that's awesome and then you can't stand it because yeah, of you, your fighting. You don't want, I mean, the last thing that you want in a marriage is to dread seeing your spouse coming. Yeah. When when you walk into the room, when y'all walk into the same room, you should be drawn toward each other, not repelled from each other. Yeah. You know. Agreed. So that's a real problem. The next one is that there's a real lack of peace mm-hmm. in your home. You know, you know a lot how I like to think of peace. It's one, one one little word, <laughs> one little Hebrew word. Shalom. What is it? Shalom. <laughs> Shalom. You know, that's how they say, that's how they say hello to each other, you know, in, in Israel. Yeah, They peace. say shalom. Yeah, peace. And that idea that peace, uh, peace, uh, when you think about peace, it's, 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 uh, it's where things aren't broken. Yeah. You know, sh- uh, the, 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 they th- we think of shalom in terms of kind of, if you look at some of the poverty alleviation literature that comes out of. Uh, the Chalmers Center and thing like that. They talk about shalom, and uh, you know you've got shalom, and then you've got the absence of shalom. And in a lot of people's lives, there's a real absence of shalom because relationships are broken. Yeah. And you don't know that that beauty of having peace with another person, peace with God, because eventually, when when you lose peace in one area, it tends to spill over into other areas. And so, it's not good for your main relationship. To, to be an unpeaceful relationship. Yeah, if so. you think about the difference, I think we've all probably experienced the difference at night when you get in bed together and you're going to lie next to this person the whole night. There's a difference between a peaceful presence, mm-hmm. you know, there in, in bed and a contentious one. That resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes in a marriage... You lay down and it's not peaceful. Mm. And then you should figure out a way to get it peaceful real quick so you can sleep. Yeah. Um, so don't want to have a distaste for one another. Don't want to have a lack of peace. What's our third What's the third problem with husbands and wives being contentious? 
Okay, the third one is that when you are always fighting, you're inflicting wounds on one another. And so what you're doing <clears throat> is on, on the inside, you know, heart to heart or spirit to spirit, mm-hmm. you are making separation there. Yeah. But physically, you're still, and legally, you're still, you're still bound. connected. Yeah. Yeah. You're still bound on... This is something that uh, Richard Baxter wrote about, you know, that you're, well, all these are kind of ideas that I've got from reading his Christian directory, which was written, you know, hundreds of years ago, but still so applicable, is that when when wounds are inflicted on one another, um, uh, it's not going to do away with your legal and your, the fact that you live together and the fact that you own all the property together and the fact that you're in all these pictures together. Mm. I mean, you know... um, You've got a lot, and it's not going to erase the fact that you have a life together, and you've made other people that share both of your DNA together. You're still bound by all of these things, and yet what you're doing is you're separating on the inside. And, you know, it's it's not good to be, when you're bound to someone that you have a distaste for, or you're bound to someone where there's no peace, and you're totally separated on the inside, that leads to torment. It's like it's like you're living in a prison in your own marriage. Yeah, which is the fourth one, right? It turns your marriage into a prison. And I don't know about you, but I've I've, I've spent a lot of time in prison. You've been you've spent some time in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know we we kind of explain we that we were one. just visiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were not sentenced. Uh, we sentenced ourselves. No. Melissa did some prison ministry when she was in college. And when I was practicing law, I would have to go out to the county jail and uh, sit there. And think, you know, when you when you uh, hear that door shut, you think, gosh, you know, I would not want to be on the other side of that door. Yeah. And whenever you're out there for hours at a time, you think, wow, how stupid am I that I am doing this voluntarily? These guys all broke the law, and they're sitting out here tonight. I could be at home somewhere doing something else, and here I am sitting out at the jail. Well, why would we put ourselves in a prison? And that's what our marriage turns into is it turns into something that brings blessing and something that brings joy and contentment in your life and gives purpose and significance to your life. It just turns your, you just feel confined. The terrible thing is, is it's a prison of your own making. I mean, you're you're putting you and your spouse inside the cell and you're locking the door. Mm-hmm. And as long as you keep fighting, then you're not letting anyone go free. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So um, don't uh, don't think that, you know, if you're in that tor- sort of prison of your own making that you can't break out of that. We're going to address that in the podcast in the next few podcasts to come. But, you know, think about your marriage and try to diagnose it. Is my marriage more like a prison? Is it something I wish I could get out of? And I can't. I would say, you know, I know how we often say marriage is hard, and it is. It takes a lot of work. But on the whole, I mean, overall, your marriage should be the greatest joy of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be a a, a thing that God really uses to bless you and your children. Yeah, yeah. And all the other people around yeah. you. And maybe, maybe you know, you've never experienced marriage in that way. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home, which is kind of moving to our next point. But you didn't grow up in a home where there was um, a healthy marriage. And so you just don't know what's normal. And a lot of people that 
that have dysfunctional marriages, that's what they learned from their parents right. and, 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 or their grandparents. I mean, this could be a generational type dysfunction. And uh, there, there is, there is, um, there's hope and you, you can have a, a marriage that's a blessing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, how wonderful it can be. Uh, but, but, you know, you're just kind of stuck in that cycle. Now, our marriage is between us. I'm not married to anybody else anyway. Yeah, that's so, good. So <laughs> um, we made the promises to each other. But as we've mentioned a few times, your marriage doesn't just affect you. Uh, it affects your church. It affects your community. It affects your parents. It affects uh, so much more than just your coworkers. And especially, uh, especially your children. But especially your children, the people that live in, in the home. And so whenever you have a contentious marriage, you're doing a real disservice to your spouse you're doing a, a, a probably a greater disservice to your children because we have mutually we have such a responsibility to our children, um, you know, and and you throw your whole family into disorder, especially your children, when you're contentious and when you're fighting, and whenever the place that the children should be able to go for go to for to for refuge and to feel secure and safe in, they don't. They don't have that sense of security and comfort. The children live with a, a terrible fear that their family is going to break up, especially in, in today's culture. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even when I was growing up, I had fears, you know, that my parents were not going to stay together. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I think that's normal because so many kids' parents don't. So I I look at our marriage. You know, I try to to find opportunities to reassure the kids by the way we, we interact with each other, mm-hmm. you know, and let them know we're in this for the long haul because kids who live in, in marriage or in homes with a contentious marriage, they live with that fear all the time. And, and some of them finally get to the point when they would rather mm. their parents walk away from each other than for them to have to continue to live in that mm environment with no peace yeah yeah mm. which is even sadder yeah and then another thing you know it it, it, ha- it causes children when their parents um, don't get along and they're they're contentious and fighting it causes children uh, to and they see that they see how their parents operate I mean that's a, the problem with the kids is they're learning how to be human beings by watching us so here, you're at each other's throats. The home is a terrible place. And yet when you go out in public or you go to church or you go somewhere, then immediately the charming voices turn on, the best foot is put forward, and the kids are watching this. Oh, that's that's a different voice than they were just using in the car. Right. That's a different voice in there. And, you know, we all raise our voices. and But, you know, when you're at each other's throats all the time, the kids are like, man, that's who they really are, and this is who they're... They're fake here. Yeah. Um, and they learn how to be hypocrites. Like you teach them that they can act one way around one set of people and act another way around another set of people. Right. Because when we're when we're fighting all the time in a marriage, we're not behaving as Christ called us to behave as Christians. Yeah, surely we know that. And so it's very spiritually damaging for those who are under our discipleship care, like our children. Um, 
to live in that kind of environment. And the, and the other th so the other thing that they do, what kids do, is they learn. Okay, well, here's how you can act. Um, you know, whenever things aren't right, you can just act this certain way. Uh, you can act one way around one person, another way around another person, and you know um, that's wrong. Uh, you know that's that's not being authentic, and that uh, they're they're wondering why is why are they doing that? Why can't they be honest with these people that they say are their best friends that we have all these problems at our house? Yeah. And the kid realizes, well, because they're they don't want people. To, this is a secret that we don't want people to know about because we're ashamed of this because it's obviously wrong and not the right way to live right. and so kids develop a, a real sense of shame about their own parents marriage or worse than that is that kids will think oh this is what being a christian is like what all that stuff we talk about on sunday mm -hmm. doesn't apply yeah during yeah. the rest of the week that's yeah. how you that's mm -hmm. how you raise nominal christians yeah. so i mean you might you might have kids with some sense of conscience that know that this is something to be ashamed of and you might have kids that just take advantage of the situation and say okay so this is how you do it this is how you're subversive this is how you get what you want from people at different times you just act yeah our kids should see jesus in our marriage and in everything that we're we're doing together when we're interacting they should see that that our faith in christ affects the way we argue mm -hmm. even yeah, that's true. I'm not true. saying arguing is inevitable, but there's a, a godly way to have discussions sure. and there's an ungodly way. Yeah, there's sort of a redemptive way of doing things, and, and the kids can learn that from you. That when we have a disagreement, here's how we try to handle it, as opposed to we have no way of knowing how to handle disagreements or what's going to happen, and we're just always waiting for World War III to break out in the house. Right, and that leads us to our last one for this podcast, which is that your sin in this area... Invite Satan to rule your home instead of Christ. Yeah. That's a big one. That's pretty scary, right? Yeah. So think about your home. Another diagnostic type question. You know, would someone coming into your home or observing it, would they say, this home, without a doubt, serves the Lord? I mean, is that what they would say? When they came in and they heard the things that you talk about, when they observed your family, um, discussing an issue, when they saw the things that you watch on TV, when they listened to the things that you said to your children, the things that you say to each other, would they say, man, the Lord is the Lord of this home? And if, 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 they, if they wouldn't say that, because Scripture's clear that you can't serve two masters, you serve one or the other, your home is either serving the Lord or your home is serving Satan, serving the enemy. So which one is it? And if, and if you're fighting all the time, I'm going to tell you, that is not the, that's not God's will for your marriage. That's not God's will for your children to, to grow up in a home like that, uh, where, where, the, where self is worshipped, because that's why we fight. So it's not God's will for us to grow up, in a, a, to grow up or to live in a place where self is worshipped and self is, is, uh, is put on a throne. It's where the Lord needs to be put on a throne, and that's God's will. So you're either serving him and doing his will, or you're doing the will of Satan. And so that would be my number one reason to say, hey, we have a problem. Right. So if you're like, hey, Houston, we have a problem here. Uh, marriage is a fighting marriage. It's a contentious marriage. What do we do? You're going to have to tune back in tomorrow. So what, what The cliffhanger. It's like a cliffhanger. Yeah. 
So the next several podcasts will be sort of strategies to fight against that kind of contentious environment. So we hope y'all will tune in. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye.